Hey folks, this is Clayton Collins, your host for the Housing News Podcast and CEO of HW Media. Today I have the opportunity to interview one of the most recognized names in mortgage lending, a gentleman who has been working in the mortgage industry as an operator and now consultant for more than 50 years, Mr. Dave Licken, founder and chief transformation officer of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Many of you are very familiar with Dave through expertise that he's provided you or your organization through his podcast, Licken on Lending, or his other media appearances on Fox or CNBC. Today, I get to be host and ask Dave the questions. And we talk about all the things that I'm thinking about as a business operator and entrepreneur, which I think really translate to some of the things that should be front of mind topics for executives across the mortgage industry. We discuss mindset and strategy. We talk about the similarity between golf and mortgage banking, which is that they're both a game of six inches. We talk about learning through data and being able to translate data, news, and information to potential clients and audiences through narrative-driven storytelling. We learn about Dave's media strategy, and we even venture into the world of mortgage memes. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation with Mr. Dave Licken. We may have just gotten back from Gathering of Eagles, but we're not done with events for 2023 yet. This October, we're headed right back to Austin, Texas for Housing Wire Annual, and we want to see you there. We've got a power-packed agenda with content such as our Women of Influence speakers, peak performer playbooks, CEO playbooks, and more to propel your company forward, as well as a bunch of networking events. Because this event is open to real estate executives, mortgage title, and everyone in between, you really have the opportunity to network with people from all across the housing ecosystem. If you want to learn more about the event, or if you're already ready to get registered, head over to housingwire.com on the events tab and you can learn all about it. Not to mention, if you're an HW Plus member, you're going to get 50% off your ticket. So get registered for HW Plus and get registered for the event so we can see you out in Austin. All right, Mr. Dave Licken, thanks for joining us for an episode of the Housing News Podcast. It's an honor to be here. Thank you so much. I feel like my main objective in this conversation Anytime I interview another uh, media personality slash podcast host is make sure you don't turn the questions around on me. I had to control this conversation, Dave. Because <laughs> yeah, our comfort zone is asking the questions, not necessarily being on the other side of it. Yeah. 100%. So I'm going to start right into the questions, Dave. I want to make sure you don't take over here. So, Dave, I, I selfishly want to learn more about you and your and the TMS and the consulting business. You know, I've I, you and I have had so many interactions over the years, but rarely do we have a chance to sit down and just like hear everything about transform transformational mortgage solutions. So Dave, kick us off. Tell us about the consulting business. Like what do you do every day that earns you so much respect and regard and value that you bring to the mortgage industry? Well, first of all, it comes about as to why you're doing what you're doing. And uh, we had sold a uh, very successful mortgage company to a Wall Street firm at uh, end uh, in 2000. And so uh, I came home, told my wife I was retiring. And she says, oh, that's great. What are you doing next? And I go, no, honey, I'm retiring. She said, I, I heard you the first time, but what are you doing next? I said, no, I want to retire. She says, honey, we've got two small kids. You're 50 years old. What are you going to do? That was 23 years ago. So I'm just turning 73. And what it, what I, I thought about that and I go, so I called one of my friends, actually, uh, 
one of the people in the media at Fox. And he says, Dave, you've, you're too young at 50. You've got a lot to give. Why don't you do something in giving back? And so um, I started out initially just to take my knowledge that I've gained out over at that point over my years, started in 1973, and this was the 2000. So it had been a, a good journey at that point. So now I have, uh, I, I, so I launched the consulting business and my why is to help business owners, business leaders, their executive leadership team transform their business. That's where we got the name transformational is to transform the business, transform their cultures. So people look forward to coming to work. I believe in a TGIM, I mean, a TGIF at the end of the week, Clayton, we should be done a good job and feel good about going home. Look forward to Friday, work hard all week, but we should create companies that were the cultures also a TGIM. Thank God it's Monday because I look forward to going back to work because I get so much value out of what I do and I enjoy the people I'm around. And if we can create those kind of companies, it's not going to be about the money. I mean, it's nothing wrong with making good money. I'm not against making good money, but it's going to be more about why we're doing it. And it's not, money should not ever be our why. That's fascinating. So I've heard anecdotes from folks in the industry and stories from you about the types of clients you work with and the work that you've done, like ranging from M&A to uh, launching mortgage banks to technology develop or tech choosing technology to partners. So what is like the, how do you most commonly come into working with mortgage executives? What do they usually call you for? And how does that, how does that transformational relationship kick off? It, it, it ranges the full range of everything. I mean, again, having, having owned three mortgage banking companies also owned a, a tech company, a saw one of the first original loan origination companies, which was interleague software. It's been, it's been sunsetted now for a while. But having that vast, diverse background, they'll call me for a whole host of reasons. Uh, a lot of people during certain cycles when we're expanding, uh, and interestingly, we're in another a contraction and an expansion. So as we see a contraction, also we need to see a new expansion within the industry. So one of those was a guy by the name of Casey Crawford Googled how to start a mortgage company. He tells the story. And, and uh, from the moment, the way what I had set up in my marketing and my website, he said, wow, this is very innovative, what he's doing. I want to get to know this guy. That's been a 15, 16 year journey and friendship that we had deep friendship. So we literally helped him form his own company. Now he had been working with Toby Harris already, but Toby hadn't started a company like I had literally started, filed incorporation papers, got first warehouse lines, all the investors, blah, 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 all the things necessary, the foundational stuff. So that's where we helped them get in and get up and running. And then we've been able to just stay in relationship. One thing I value about Casey is so appreciative of someone who has made a difference in his life and has uh, helped him grow. He'll never forget. And I don't work with him on a day-to-day basis. Now consult him. I work with him and I advise him in another capacity and, um, but it is one of the, those are one of those relationships. Uh, another one of those stories was I got a phone call, um, from Matt Ishbia's dad, Jeff, who <laughs> called me, who used to run, uh, who owned, uh, UWM, uh, at the time. And, uh, they had a particular, uh, investor issue, secondary marketing issue. They wanted some thoughts and advice on, had the privilege of going in and working with them on that. And they said, Hey, there's this new kid going to take over the company. His name is Matt. You need to meet him. So I met Matt. And as soon as I met him, I'm going, hide and watch. This company is going to go 
vertical. This just the way he thinks, the way he manages was so obvious that success was written all over it. So those are the kind of things we do. We go and perform origination, getting people in the business all the way through loan servicing, all the way through the advising of that. Should they get in? We work with secondary marketing issues. Should you go from best efforts to mandatory? Should you go from broker to banker? I mean, you name it, any aspect of the business, there's is. Probably the one thing we don't emphasize enough, we do work on the sales side of it, but there's so many really outstanding uh, sales and motivation type uh, uh, coaches and consultants out there. Where we, we don't focus in on that as much because all the other things we do, but we do do that as well. Dave, it's interesting. The two examples you shared, um, I'm, I'm thinking about these two gentlemen, uh, Casey Crawford and Matt Ishbia. And one of the things they have in common is both of them are former athletes at the highest level. Casey playing in the NFL, Matt being a former national championship winning basketball player. Um, what did you, do you think there's something there and like that, that athletic background and what these two gentlemen have built in their respective organizations? I think it has more to do with attitude and overcoming adversity. Uh, I was just recently with Casey. He spoke at an event that I was attending in Denver and we pulled aside and he was very gracious to give me a good amount of time. We get together every chance we get together, we're going to get together. We talk, we, we talk about those earlier days. Same thing with Matt. It's certainly because they haven't faced just because they're athletes and because they've had success. And in cases, both cases, they're, they're good looking, dynamic, <laughs> I mean, wonderful personalities. And uh, so you'd say, well, that's just that's how they got to be successful. No, those the problems that hit the market have hit the industry, have hit them as hard. And in some cases, I could speak, think of specific stories. It's hit them harder because of the success they started growing and enjoying. So in those times, I think it's more about golf and mortgage lending is a game of six inches. It's what's going on between your ears. How are you thinking? And I think athletes have a mindset that is an overcoming mindset. Obstacles are challenges. Obstacles are not going to take me out. And they focus on that. So I would say the common denominator is a mindset, a competitive attitude. I will not be taken out. This difficulty will not get me. And Casey shared a story uh, with, and, and I'll never forget the, the one of the stories he, he allows me to tell was there when he first launched the business, he didn't start making money right out of the gate. In fact, he was losing a significant amount. And his wife, Michelle says, honey, I know you really think you're supposed to be doing this, but this is costing us all. It's draining us. What are you thinking? And he, he, he cried out and says, I thought I was supposed to be doing this. And he literally, <laughs> the way he tells the story, can't remember if he called me and then saw the rainbow or saw the rainbow and then called me. I don't know, but I'd already been working with him, but he had gone away. And one of the things he said is there's ever a mistake I've made is not picking up the phone enough and calling. I think it's in times of difficulty, do we need to reach out? More so than ever, volumes down. Should I, do I need a consult? Do I need a coach? And I do both of those things. And the answer is yes, more than ever. And that's the time you can least afford it. Casey reached back out. I gave him suggestions, change these three things. It sounds like take three aspirin and get a good night's rest and call me in the morning. <laughs> Dr. Mortgage over here. <laughs> it felt like that. I was chuckling when I said it, one of my business partners in the car and he goes, that sounded like a prescription more than advice. And, and he, it turned the corner for him though. I think it's oftentimes you look at a big train, you can, 
you can get a, keep a train moving by just putting a, a rock about the size of a quarter in front of one of those big wheels. It can't get moving. But once it's moving, that rock doesn't stand a chance in that. And I think it, so it's getting, keeping us in motion and in motion and eliminating emotion at times. Although I think it's so important that we be emoted. I think having good emotions is healthy. It inspires and lifts our organizations. So back on that analogy of mortgage banking and golf or game of six inches, I, I think when you think about entrepreneurs and business builders across any industries, there's a probably a, a, a temptation to lean toward like there's some skills or values or something that an entrepreneur is born with that helps make them successful. But it sounds like you're kind of pointing at a scenario where the, a coach, advisor, consultant can help harness the right mindset, help executives harness the right mindset to think in six inch increments instead of potentially being paralyzed by a, a world of options or, or inaction. Can you talk about how you've helped executives harness or advice that you have that helps harness executives harness that game of six inches mentality? Well, we, first of all, get down to identifying what is the real issue and that we, we blow things up. We, they don't saying we made mountains out of molehills. Uh, we have to, first of all, identify what is the real issue? Is it a fear? Is it a, a real significant issue? Let's get down to it. And it's oftentimes what I find when you really get down to it, 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 it's things that have been allowed to grow out of perspective or out of control. And when we get it down to that perspective and we get it down to that, for one thing I say is, when were you last happy? When did you last have peace? When did you have joy over your business? And so that's one way we help them get, we start at where they're, where they're at and try to work back, bring me back to that place. And they say, what was it that stole your joy, stole your excitement, your enthusiasm for what you're doing? And it almost brings us back to, and, and there's like epiphany. They go like, oh my gosh. I remember it. And it's at that moment and we start there and we start working around forming a different construct. Oftentimes it's a bad report or something that we heard and believed that wasn't true. When you ask executives today, like what might be the thing that was when they were last happy is the answer ever. I was last happy when rates weren't 7% or like, is it often usually something that's in their own, um, Business or mindset? Well, certainly market conditions, external external conditions certainly can have a have play on your head pretty well. You say, well, if rates would go back down, well, we're never been in control rates. I mean, if you look at where interest rates are at, we're more at a median where things have been. We're talking, I'm looking at Michael Fratantoni's latest economic summary that they had last week. And we're looking at interest rates getting back down. Les Park, who's on one of the guys on my podcast, is talking about interest rates being down in the high fives. The five and three quarters is what he's anticipating by year end. Even now, MBA is coming back and saying we're going to see interest rates start coming down. What that does not equate is that we're going to start having a massive amount of volume. Inman reported last week or the week before, I'm not sure which was, just recently reported that I think it was 90 plus percent of Americans have interest rates below 6%. Well, what's the implication of that? Is that there's no refinances coming back anytime soon. And then the next party says, well, if that wasn't enough, 82% of Americans have interest rates below 5%. Well, even if we get down to five and three quarters, as some of our projecting, that is that really going to help us? Well, what they fail to look at, it's again, this is the example of the six inches. What we're looking at is we're looking at the headlines. And I think when we look at headlines and we see that and they go, yes, but what do we know about Americans? 
they borrow too much money on credit cards. So if they accumulate through irresponsibility, one of the things I, I am hungry for is to see fiscal responsibility, fiscal education come back in where we train Americans how to manage their finances. That's a class we need to have. It needs to be mandatory at high school level. Before you graduate from high school, you need to learn how to manage finances and at least understand the consequences of certain things like credit cards and the expense of that. So Americans haven't stopped spending. In fact, when we get in difficult times, we often medicate with spending. And, and that creates this problem. Well, all of a sudden, if you see someone's credit card debt get up to a certain size, now we've had home price appreciation, so we still have equity there. It makes sense to refinance that and bring it down. Yes, you're going to refinance at six or seven today. If you look at where it depends, interest rates are at, looking at the screen behind me, it's moving around today. So the reality is, is that there are life events. I was recently at a, another event, a marketing event, Total Expert had their Accelerate 23 conference. It was really well done out in San Diego. And there's so many thought leaders there. And they were looking at, was listening to data intelligence and data mining and the number of companies that are mining for data opportunities. Again, they're ignoring the noise and they're saying, okay, this may be true. This may be true. These are facts. But let's look at where are the opportunities. And they mine for that and they ignore the noise. I, what did Bilicek say? Say, ignore the noise and do your job. You know, not a New England Patriots fan, but I like that saying a lot. Bilicek has some great sayings, a great coach. So anyway, I think we need to ignore the noise and get to looking at the facts. And I think in this case, data mining and looking at where the opportunities are, even in these interest rate environments, there are so many opportunities. Um, I could go on and on on this. I'll pause. <laughs> so I, I'm sure the answer is different if we're talking about kind of the executive levels of the industry versus the loan originator um, in, in the mortgage industry. But what do you think some of the best practices are for, for ignoring the noise, but staying informed about the ecosystem that you operate in? Well, I think you say something that's really, you, you hit on something right there on the stay informed. I never suggest you ignore the facts. The fact that, you know, 90 plus percent people have interest rates below 6%. That is a fact. I'm assuming they did their homework. I think Housing Wire uh, reported on those metrics before uh, the other publication you uh, you, you, you referenced, um, but it's it's directionally correct. Oh, good. I would rather read. I should have. That's the headline that someone sent me, so I read off that. Well, let's. I should have. Said, you should have Housing Wire. So, what were those numbers? But anyway, they, they were they were pretty significant, and they they looked like a headwind. Like, oh my gosh! And then I think a glass half empty look at the perspective. So what I get people to do is let's get back to what are we in the business of doing? Helping people be at homes. Well, we have a housing, uh, some inventory issues. No question. We don't ignore the fact that there's a housing inventory issue, but what are you doing to change that around? Who do you know that has a home that is thinking about selling it? Do we do the necessary training? Do we get out and hold, uh, uh, in realtor offices, are we holding educational seminars that really help people understand that maybe this is a good time? What is the risk of you holding on to that home? And I think this is the time where we start getting out and start teaching and educating. That's why I love podcasts so much. I love your podcast. I was listening to, I mean, I'm an avid listener to your podcast because you get people on here who you're fortunate to select the right so that you're not focusing on the negative. They're not ignoring the facts, but they're focusing on what we can do. And there's a lot of factors that of things we can do. And I could go on about that. Yeah. I mean, I think like, well, want to select guests that are 
adding value to the industry, but also building businesses. And I think I have very few people out there that are building right now who have like a, a negative mindset and aren't able to find the opportunity in the market versus just focusing on the, the negative. Not, not a lot of winning happens in, in, in that corner of the ecosystem. Yeah, that's true. But what's really interesting is moving market share is up. Casey was telling me they're up 30 plus percent this year. Market share. And he's talking about some others. I would say, well, what, how's that compared to this one or that one? I won't mention those others because they're down by that much. And that, it, and it kind of surprised me. And he's getting his data. For, I said, where are you getting your data on that? CoreLogic has the data. And I think you guys published that. There is so much we can be looking at is who is it and what is the reason Matt's volume is up and Casey's volume up. And we're not showcasing them is that they're the end all be all, but we're showcasing a right attitude. And that is what everyone, whether, and I'm seeing this in some small companies. I got some, I've got one company out on the West coast as a client that all they do is refinance. And he says, this is amazing time. Look, we've never been busier. And I said, why do you think that is? He says, because everyone is talking so negative. They've exited the refinance business. We have been mining data. We know where to go get it. And thank God, finally, the competition has gone away. So it's there someone who has honed their skills in the area of how to go find it. One particular, we had a guest on my podcast recently talking about how they work with divorce attorneys. Talked to another person who is working successfully with financial planners. I had one guy that I spoke with and uh, at your conference. And uh, is telling me, he says, we're knocking it out of the park. I'm not talking about the real trends, the conference that just took place. Yeah, the Gathering of Eagles. Outstanding event. We got to talk more about that. And everyone needs to, anyone who is in the industry has got to come to that event next year. It is without question, the thought leaders, that the thinking that was going on there was amazing, Clayton. So kudos to you and your team for putting on a phenomenal conference. And we go like, I was a little disappointed that we're more, there were not more mortgage lenders there. And why were they like, they, that's what they did. That's, you know, they, they, the old saying, why do robbers rob banks? That's where all the money is. Why do, why do not more people going in and attending this conference? That's where all the realtors are. I'll tell you, I'll tell you the, I'll tell you the strategy. So, so we acquired real trends in, in 2020 It's our third year of hosting the gathering of Eagles, but the gathering has been going on for close to 30 years. So like, we're like the, the steward of this very important community in the real estate brokerage space. And, um, for many years, it, it was invitation only for the top real estate brokers inside of the real trends, um, performance ranking program. And, uh, we've started to open up that group to, to others in the real estate industry and starting to open it up to the mortgage industry. But, um, I think it's really important that we keep it, uh, a peer network of real estate broker owners. And, uh, but, um, I think as we look to 2024, you'll you'll see us bring together the, the housing wire mortgage community more and closer to this this real trends gathering community. We got some we got a few changes up our sleeve next year, but uh everything you do just gets better and better and better, Clean. So kudos to having the foresight <laughs> to buy that. I mean, way to go. Way to go. Yeah, no, it's been a that's becoming a really important part of the the business. And um, I mean, our strategy at HB Media has been built around like uh, you've used the word synchronization, synchronization between real estate and mortgage lending and title and valuation and uh, all the technology that connects the ecosystem. Um, it's, it's, un- it's inevitable that these pieces come closer together. And that's, that's where we're building at the intersection. That's the panel I spoke on was the affiliates. And we were looking at merchants and acquisition affiliates in the morning I was speaking. 
And I think that we're seeing a lot. I'm getting, since that conference, I've gotten five emails. Dave, help us connect with a real estate firm. Several realtors says, Dave, help us connect with a right mortgage company. And so we just ask the questions again, when you play matchmaker, which is M&A or merger, any type of connecting people, it's really getting down and we outline the, the reasons what works and what you should be looking for in, the, in that, uh, in our session. Yeah. That session was great. So, uh, Dave, your session was with Phil Cantrell, Cantrell from Benchmark, Al Miller from New American Funding, and Mark Adams from Real Trends help, helped moderate. G- give us a glimpse, the, the folks who weren't able to attend the gathering, uh, some of the key takeaways for you from, from that session. Well, the first of all, I think it's really, you know, understanding uh, and it's alignment. Everything starts, I mean, people want to go do a deal and rather than focusing on doing a good deal, a right deal. And it starts with alignment. It's starting with mission, vision, and values. Do we understand that? And then it really starts connecting up to the, those soft, squishy things that people say, do I like you? Can I, how do do I feel when you talk? Do you, I feel you listen. And I mean, when I talk do you, do I feel you listen and vice versa? And when you start sensing that and then, and the why it's never about the money It's finding a way to serving the customer more effectively money and making money is always a result of doing things right. We've heard Simon Sinek talk about that. It starts with why. And so it's so important. We talked about that. And then we talked about there's three phases of any type of affiliations. First of all, doing your homework on the front side, getting the alignment done. Then there, we focused in on the launch. There is a way to do a launch. A lot of it, people, they, they get it figured out and then they launch it and let it go. And it's, it, it, it flies all different directions. You have to guide it through a proper launch. We talked about that. And then it's the management afterwards. What you manage is your measuring. And you talk about how to measure it without getting in people's business and putting that a, a wet blanket where it's a negative oversight. So those are the three phases of a good affiliation or mergers and acquisition, alignment, launching, and then the operations of it. And we talked about that and got into a lot of detail. It was really good. I mean, Phil is such a brilliant guy to talk to and he is so funny. I mean, he, I was writing down all these things a little. (laughs) The best one-liners in that session. Between you and Phil, it was uh, a lot of notes I was taking in my notes app on my phone. And Al Miller's got such great experience over there at New American Fund. I mean, he does a great job. He's just got a heart of gold because he's interested in doing things, doing the right deal, which is really, I think, so important. Yeah, so that that panel kind of brought to light the different models and motivations for real estate brokerages being involved in mortgage and and somehow and um, the real estate brokerage industry. We shared some data during that dealmakers event that the we've uncovered through our Real Trends Broker Pulse survey that without affiliated services, the uh, average real estate brokerage in our sample set was operating at a 4% or slightly lower than 4% gross margin. So like there's a, there's a major incentive there for like wanting to be involved, needing to be involved in affiliated services of some kind, whether that be mortgage title insurance. And, uh, but some folks are approaching it purely from a, Hey, we want extra margin. So we should vertically integrate and others are approaching it from the angle of, we want to provide a world-class experience to our agents and the home buyers and sellers they serve. And by offering affiliated services, we're able to control that have more control over the transaction. And it's the latter that's going to be clearly, I mean, as you implied, it's clearly the latter that gets us there. Now that doesn't mean that it doesn't make good money. It can make very good money. And if it's done right, it's, it brings profits to everyone involved. 
So how do you, so, you know, thinking about the impact of real estate brokerages interest and being involved in, in the mortgage transaction, um, I have not seen this data. We actually, Tracy Velt and I were just talking about this, about adding a question to our next broker poll survey of what percent to uncover what percent of real estate brokers actually have a, a joint venture or mortgage affiliate business line. Um, that question actually came from another one of our gathering guests, uh, Dave Savage at, at Trust Engine, for, formerly mortgage coach. But Dave and I were talking about that and I was like, I don't actually know what percent of real estate brokers have a JV. But assuming that more brokerages want to get into a JV or some type of affiliated service for mortgage, how do you think that impacts the the independent mortgage bank or the mortgage brokers who aren't at the table in, in those types of partnerships? Well, what's interesting, first of all, there is an advantage for the IMBs, the independent mortgage bankers, to have form an affiliation more so than banks or credit unions. Credit unions are not into that. They're into servicing, serving their members. So there really isn't an alignment there. Great. They do great job. Many credit unions or CUSOs do a great job. CUSO, Credit Union Service Organization, those don't know. But the CUSOs and credit unions do a great job for their members. But they're not interested in, in that type of arrangement uh, and affiliation. Uh, banks typically do, but a regula- regulatory environment that the banks have to deal with, it's really not advantageous. So, I mean, all affiliations, most affiliations, the vast majority of affiliations are going to be with the independent mortgage banker. And I really believe that this is going to make a difference and of those that succeed and fail on both sides of that, whether it be a mortgage banker or uh, a real estate brokerage firm. So I believe that the two have got to come together. And, the, and again, you hit the nail on the head. If it's about let's create a better shared experience and they're, and they're really focused in on that which means you've got to, by focusing on it, you've got to build really tight workflow processes to analyze that, to make sure it's not just a nice plaque on the wall and it doesn't happen. It's in by intentional efforts. That's something we do in our consulting firm. It's a, it's, it's difficult roll up your sleeves, not fun work, but someone has to build a roadmap, a, a workflow chart, boxes, arrows, and the way we do it is we build it out in the form of a sequential process. We wrote everything related to it. It really opens up your eyes to what we're trying to achieve. And also, when you get under the under the microscope, you start saying, oh, we do this that way? Why, why do we do that? And you start looking at opportunities to pick up efficiencies, as well as just building a, a, a more robust, uh, favorable experience for the consumer. Yeah. How do you, so I recently had Carrie Gusmus of Aslan Home Lending on and Carrie and I were talking about some of the pros and cons of the term, um, uh, the mortgage manufacturing process and that, that very like assembly line approach to building, which I think, you know, becomes kind of an in vogue term in a market where people are hunting for margin. Like right now people are hunting for ways to, to make the mortgage, processing and underwriting and fulfillment process more efficient so they can make their lending operations profitable or, or more profitable. Uh, how do you think about like y- y- having like an assembly line or manufacturing based approach to uh, manufacturing a mortgage, but maintaining that, that human touch that's still like that, you know, real estate agents and brokers and loan originators want when they think about the consumer experience? Well, I think when you think about the manufacturing process, we think of Henry Ford's assembly line where we have people, a whole bunch of people bolting things together. And you now look at the assembly of a car. You look at Tesla and how it's designed. There are very few people in there. There's these robots pulling things and guiding things and doing things. And I think we're going to see more and more automation involved in this 
whole overall workflow process. We have a particular client. I don't mind. I use their name. I have had him on my podcast numerous times, Radius Financial. Uh, Keith Pulaski is a partner in it with Sarah. They're up in the Boston area. And they had us come in number of years, five, six, maybe seven years ago, we started working on outlining all their existing processes. When it comes to workflow, it's like a GPS system. You can't get to where you want to go unless you first know where you're at. So you must honestly and intellectually with integrity examine what you are. Now, you may not like where and oftentimes when people are looking at it, it looks like spaghetti bowl. And it's just a mess of we do this and it goes here and there. no wonder we're so expensive and over. So Keith and Sarah, Keith specifically, really dove into this and we started them on a journey. They now have the lowest cost of origination. If I told you the numbers, I would put them out here. I encourage you to have them on the podcast sometimes. Keith will talk about it and it's the journey we started with them. And they went in and they brought in all these bots to begin to take the pieces and put together. And they've built one of the most efficient cost effective. They are a fraction of the average cost, 13, over $13,000 of manufacturer loan of the latest uh, um, statistics as you reported. And so they are uh, over half of that's originations. So assuming that, you know, we're, we're dealing with $6,500 of operational costs, theirs is one sixth of that or less. And it's through intelligently in, in, in intentionally in, I'm going to say, with a microscope, constantly attacking everything that's inefficient and even looking for every opportunity. It's that Kaizen method of going at it over and over and over and over and never getting down. And so in my mind, they have one of the best processes and one of the best workflows in the industry. And they still see lots of opportunity for improvement. So I think it's those, I celebrate people like Keith and Sarah who are committed to doing whatever they can and to build efficient systems. And it starts by first looking at where you're at. That's okay. So an organization that can produce and originate loans at a sixth of the, the operating costs that their competitors can, what advantages does that entail? Like, how do you like, I'm assuming you don't just like, you know, flow all that to the bottom line. You there's strategically, you want to redeploy some of that cost advantage into business growth. Well, there certainly comes a cost with when you're doing this kind of work. So they reemploy a lot of it just to continue the process, become more of it. But think about it. One sixth of the cost on the operational side, when you have to work, when you're working in this highly competitive advantage, I mean, market such rate, it creates an advantage to be able to put that into the pricing. So we're out there at a lower rate. Now, there's an argument to say, if we have to have the lowest rates in town, why do we need salespeople? We'll just publish a relate sheet and everyone will come. No, it's not true. you got to have the lowest rate and you still have to have people out there servicing because it still is a relationship business. It's getting more and more. It's, that relationship is ChatGPT and all the technologies coming in. We're getting our, those relationships um, superpowered. We're getting them adding turbochargers to them and whatever other analogy you want to use. But we're doing a lot to get to the point where the human does more of the human interaction. And we have all these tools that are helping people drive a more efficient, effective way in which we do it. And pontificating for a minute, we don't have to relate this to radius, but uh, if I was running an organization that could run at a, I'm trying to think through the math here, like probably that probably flows through like a gross margin. That's 25% better than your competitors. If you're running at a sixth of the, the fixed costs on the production side, um, what do you do with that advantage? Like, do you go out and acquire like mad because you know you can shave costs in the back end? Do you recruit like, 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 what do you do with that advantage to like, to really win? 
now you've really shifted over into what do you want to be when you grow up? What do we want to be? Some some people, in the case of Sarah and Keith, uh, and Keith, they look at their business and they're going, we like being up here in the Northeast. We're good here. I don't think we would do well in California. It's not to say that they're not. I can't remember where they're at. I think it's really, what is your vision? And here's another thing. Where's the market going? Because if I want to be a local guy, uh, and but the market is shifting on me, and I can't survive as a mom and pop grocery store anymore because the chains are coming in with such tremendous price advantage, buying advantages. Maybe I need to look at it differently. So I, I think there's always a place for a very successful, um, smaller company. So I don't think it's all about just growing. More and more people do grow. Movements acquiring companies right and left. You look at Matt, he's put it into the pricing and he's growing through pricing, pricing advantages and really pulling more and more people. He's, he's got more people that are mortgage bankers doing business with him because his price is lower than he can get out of his own secondary department. And so, I mean, out of their, the independent mortgage bank. That was the game, the game on pricing strategy, right? It's a game on. And he, that's one thing that's that athletic. I mean, people can love it or hate it, but you, yeah, I'll take it. I love finding people that are successful, but doing with the right motives and, and the right approaches. Yeah, it's interesting to think about the different mindset. I like you talk about Casey and Matt. I think I, externally watching, I mean, they're they're operating with a global domination mindset. And I'm a you know f- former banker from two big global institutions. Like, yeah, I can't think of anything that's not like aiming for like like true like market scale. Like, I'm not like building toward a a like a finite goal, but and I just referenced Carrie Gusmas. I mean, she talked about her like finite scale. She wants to get to 300 originators and doesn't really see a, um, you know, not looking for like a, a, a target higher than that. That's not just like one step. Like that's, that's what she wants to get to. And that's what she thinks the organization will be built for. Um, so yeah, understanding like what you want to be when you grow up is got to be an incredibly important conversation if you're having with folks that you advise or consult for. That's a big, big part of where we start. You know, like, what do you want to be? Like? What does success look like for you? And what is a healthy life to you? I mean, and then there's life yeah. events. I think this is the one that's really challenging where you are so excited and you're building a really business and then your spouse, the love of your life runs into a health issue or one of your kids. And you need to be there with them. It changes your life and the priorities big time. Well, aren't you better off having a successful business that you can either turn over to have someone run? I love ESOPs. I love leveraged ESOPs. I think probably one of the most successful stories is the Guild story. Long after we get into that, how successful they are. And they have their foot on the gas right now. Yeah, they are. They do. And she's retiring out. Barry Horn's retiring out here. They're bringing in the new team. How We'll see how that transition goes. I know Chad, who's replacing um, Barry, he's an old client and someone I've known here in Austin for many, many years. I mean, you go through the morphing, which really then goes into the succession planning, which we do a lot of. And I think there's a lot of that. So are you building generationally? Are you building for your future and then you're going to flip it out. And if you do flip if the company, sell the company, when I mean flip it, are you going to sell it out to the employees? I think it's wonderful. One of the best ways, which again, love the story of Guild, they sold it to the employees and they did a leverage buyout. So the guy got max earnout on the sale of the company. The family did. And uh, I used to have two mortgage companies in San Diego. So I knew him and I got a chance to talk to him. I tried to even knocked on their door to try to acquire them thinking I'd love to pick them up. That's one of the things I love about you. And for folks, I'm going to have, I, I can't wait to get Clayton on my podcast because I want to ping his investment banking mind, his acquisition mind, because you have a brilliant mind and my mind just 
runs wild in those fields. So I can't wait to have you on. We're going to talk about that on my podcast. So this was the risk, Dave. You're pulling me into the ho- you're host mode. You're <laughs> um, okay. You're the guest. Bring it back. Bring it back, Dave. All right. But we are going to talk about similar topic. Um, media strategy. You've been pretty prolific in building a presence through Licking on Lending, your weekly podcast, but also some of your appearances on in mainstream television. So Fox Business News, CNBC, CNBS. When did you develop an interest or kind of start to realize the the this this what's the word I'm looking for? The power of having a media presence and building your brand or educating the market through that channel. That there's so many things like getting into mortgage lending was accidental. Uh, getting on media was accidental. I actually was quoted in an American banker article. Uh, and the guy that was one of the producers at Fox business was just launching it. And his name is Eric Spanano. He's since passed away from COVID sadly, but he called me up and says, hello, this is Fox. We'd like to interview you. And I was on my cell phone and I go, I don't know which one of my friends in New York is trying to play a joke on me, but I don't have time for this. And I hung up on the guy hung up on. <laughs> my first shot on media. He called me back. He says, this isn't a joke. Write down this phone number. And I wrote down the phone number. It's a funny story. So I share it. So I wrote down the phone number. He says, you got it. Repeat it back. I got it. I said, now call me back. He hung up. Call him back. Sure enough, it was Fox. I go, oh, son of a gun. He said, I'd like to have you on TV. I'm thinking two weeks out. I said, sure. What, what are you thinking about? And he said, we read the article. I'd like to have you comment on these things, of these aspects about uh, what was going on in the, in the, the world of the financial, this is regulated financial world at the time, American Baker article, hence. So I said, sure. When you know, he says, this afternoon, I said, I'm in Austin. It's hot here. I'm wearing shorts, flip-flops. And he says, can you go borrow a suit? So I went and borrowed a suit and a tie and I sat down and I'm wearing shorts from the waist down, flip-flops, sitting in the chair doing my first interview. It was, it's a story. And, and I, I think what the, for, I believed in the power of it. I didn't understand the power of it. Uh, that what they do that on as seen on TV. I'll be honest with you. My podcast brings me more, much more business than all of the times I've been on CNBC, Fox. Yeah, and, and it's because I'm branding to and communicating to my uh, to my target market. But it certainly doesn't hurt to have a major brand, Fox, CNBC, CNBC, CNN. You'd pick them all. Um, Bloomberg. I've been on all of them. It doesn't hurt that they have you, and I know it's on over a 15-year period. I recommend people, to, if the people want to see that, is I start with your local news channel for an independent mortgage bank or a realtor. Get on. And if you're doing it to get your become the big star, you got the wrong motive. It's, that's no different than doing it for the money, doing your, running your company for the money. The money is the result. Becoming well-known is the result. You come to serve and bring quality, critical information that the listener will benefit from which is what I always have done. And I think what you do in media is reason you're so successful with housing wire and now real trends is that because you are here providing your passion is not like how much money can we get? Can we get a sponsor to do this or that you're hearing? I want to help our, those that are reading our publications, listening to us. I want to help them grow. And that's what I'm in about. And that's what it's all, that's what it's really all about. So it, it helps build a brand, but it doesn't, it hasn't really brought any business here. Yeah, that's really interesting. So we, um, Logan Motoshami, our lead analyst. I love Logan. He's, he's great. Uh, he's, uh, been a pretty regular on, on CNBC and a few other main stream media outlets recently. And kind of like, like, you mentioned like we're, we're also, you know, a B2B partner serving the housing industry professional, not the, not the consumer. And, um, 
we love seeing Logan on TV. I don't know if it's worth him waking up at 2 a.m. for some of those last minute uh, squawk box calls um, because it doesn't exactly drive a big inflow of traffic or or subscribers. But it does to have the association, Housing Wire Logan. You know what's so interesting about Logan? I I found him way, way, way back when, when he was just publishing. And I see, and then I would listen to different ones to, and I'd say, I'm taking on and I want to go after this comment, this, this reporter here. I think it's absolutely crazy. And I see him do it. And I go, and that's like, Don Quixote, Cody, I mean, running into windmills. I mean, it's just, he just would take David Goliath stories and he took them on. And I go, I don't know who you are, but I had him on my podcast. And I go like, the guy knows his stuff. And you obviously were really fortuitous and picking him up and making him a big part of a cornerstone of that. Because again, he didn't do this to become famous. He did this because he did not like the narrative. He argued with it and he had the knowledge and guts to take on a narrative that he thought was false or at least needed to have a different perspective. Dear God, do we need that in this industry in all of America right now? Celebrate Logan Motoshami. Yeah, he, well, we're actually recording this on Logan Motoshami Day of HW Plus Week. We are promoting Logan today. This episode will not air today, but um, it's funny. As we record this, is Logan Motoshami Day for HW Plus Week. And it, I, I love your appraisal of, of him because I see the, the same qualities and values. I mean, he, like, all he wants is a, housing market that understands the housing market and to kill false narratives and not believe the the popular headlines or the easy stories to tell with data, but the relatively complex stories that housing data tells us and what we've learned over decades of cycles that in the end look relatively similar. Like we don't really, uh, you know, like the history doesn't repeat, but it rhymes. And, um, and he's been pretty astute in uncovering some, some rhyming trends. He's intellectually honest. And that is what I find so refreshing. Unselfish, intellectually honest and got some guts to do it. What he does. I think way to go. I'm so glad we're celebrating him today. <laughs> so, um, you shared kind of like that the national press, you know, is, is awesome for like brand and presence, but hasn't exactly driven business. So like if you're a loan originator, like developing relationships inside of your local market where you do business and want to drive um, referrals or inbound uh, phone calls or, or leads, like go local, right? Like, like develop, like go where the audience is. Go to your market. I mean, there's, there, I mean, I don't know of a single reporter that will not willing to talk to you about that. If you're bringing him something material, I'm saying bring, bringing him a different, that's what Logan got on there. People were challenging him and he was challenging him to the point where he is doing it blatantly in front of them and putting it up there. He says, I disagree with you on their own commentary. They go, we can't ignore this guy. We got to take him on. And then that, that was what has brought him to where he's at. So I go in, I recommend, I consult to this on this very thing and I help people with media strategies um, is to go to your local newspaper, go to your local TV station, radio station, offer free information, be the source of helping create the right narrative about your community. When they're looking at the negative, the home, any of the numbers out there, because I mean, negativity sells. We understand that concept. We've heard that forever. But what are you doing to get the narrative back to help build a home ownership experience where it gets people unstuck and willing to get out and look at home, start the journey and at least start a plan. And I think that's what's so critical. And if you do it with that motive, 
you'll be surprised how often you get quoted. Can you come in here? I saw you quoted. And that's where the real market value is. When someone is opening a, no one reads the Sunday paper anymore. I don't think many people do. Maybe in the parts of the country they do, but most of the time it's going online in the newspaper. But if you're going, if you're on the television or on the radio and just for a few minutes sharing it, even if it costs you some money to buy the spot, it is so worth it. It is so worth it. The other thing I, I teach people to do is you become the media. And I, I had one person who I, I met her. She was talking to me after I spoke at a conference and she came up and she had her, her nine-year-old daughter. She was adorable. And so I, and I just had this idea. I, I love creativity. So I get moments. I'm a music major. So I get creative moments that are in the, in the middle of it. And so I'm talking to her and I said, I got an idea. I'd like to, I got you homework. I want to give you some free consulting. I want you to go out to at least two or three open houses, have your daughter standing there with a microphone, a clipboard, and have her put on glasses so she looks like a reporter and standing there and interview people as they're walking in. And who's going to turn down an interview with a nine-year-old? A super cute nine-year-old. You as mom are sitting back there and filming it because you don't say you don't want to be, you're not in front of the camera person. She did it and it worked. And then she started getting calls from builders saying, hey, could you bring your daughter? and Could you kind of come do that over at our open house? He's, there's so many innovative ways to get an identity out there and get ahead of the competition. It's unique to her. She had a gorgeous little articulate daughter, and she was bold and willing to do it and built a brand around it. That's a phenomenal idea. You see so many realtors and, and loan origination professionals take the same approach on social media, um, trying to translate what Jerome Powell is doing or walking through an open house. Like, come on, bring the nine-year-old. Let's, <laughs> let's put the kids to work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She, she, one time she says, I'm trying to pay for my college education. So I'm a, she, she wove in some pretty hilarious stuff. But anyway, there's a lot of ways to get after that. And I think media is a powerful, powerful tool. And I think, number one, are you reading the right media? And housing, why you better be reading this. Anyone listening to this, I'm, I'm assuming if you listen to this, you're, you're tied into the Yeah, you're preaching to the choir in this show, I think. <laughs> but one thing is to scan it. Another thing is read it. And then bring the material out and then actually bring it to the meeting. Hey, do you wear this our article about housing wire, liking and subscribing, taking a housing wire, our housing wire or real trends article and posting it on that Realtor's Facebook page or LinkedIn. I mean, in the case of that, most realtors are using either Instagram or Facebook, one of those tools. Or TikTok now, they're telling the stories. Housing TikTok is a vibrant community. Just that our short, our tension spans are getting so, so much shorter. So anyway, there's so many innovative ways in getting in, into the media game. Yeah, ab absolutely. Um, and, and I think it's like always also important to think about how you relay messages to different like target audiences. And we've seen our friends at Keeping Current Matters do an excellent job at like creating and delivering content. Um, a lot of the same stories that we covered housing wire, but telling it through the lens of how agents and loan originators can help their consumer. And then we see so many great audience members from housing wire do the same thing in their, in their social media channels. You don't, you, we don't need to talk about um, the 10 year. We don't need to talk about the CFPB or FHFA, but we do need to explain how those things, maybe not with, without the acronyms, impact consumer and housing market behavior. You create content that can be repurposed in so many ways that, and and I look at it, I, I read, and I go, who's doing something with this? So uh, I've got a bunch of ideas I want to talk to you about, Clayton, working with you more closely because I love what you're doing, as you're doing it for the right reason. Your why is really spot on.
Moving markets forward. All right, Dave, I'm going to uh, finish the conversation with a request for some some free consulting. Uh, so <laughs> let's try to to help the mortgage executives that are out there trying to shape their strategies for, for 2024. Is, is there anything in your conversations with IMB or execs from across the mortgage industry, a blind spot they might be missing or something that, that you're helping people bring focus to as they look to build profitable lending operations in the years ahead? Well, again, going back to the mortgage and golf is a game of six inches, what's going on between your ears. I think the most important thing we're really looking at, what's really there right now so present is fear. Where are we going? Is my company going to survive? Am I going to survive? And there is a, um, a, a there is a website that, that um, it's an experiment, a psychology experiment, and it's, it has to do with a baby and a tumor. And it's, I can't remember what the, I'm looking for the name of it. I have the website up here somewhere on my screen, but it, talking about when it's you know when the mom is looking and interacting with the baby and attuning with the child. And I'm going somewhere with this. And the, the baby's interactive and very doing well. And then the psychologist says, now look away and then come back with a straight face. And I think it is, uh, I'll look up that. I'll give you the link, Clayton. You can post it. Attunement. What are you as a business owner? What are your executive leaders doing to attune to where your current people are at? I also saw this other thing, metaphorically, I I see pictures, again, it's a visual thing that I've got going. I saw these people hanging from a bridge and there was a contest, a whole bunch of young studs up hanging from this bridge. I think it was Australia or something like that. And it's, you know, who can hold on to the longest? And it looked like mortgage banking row. All these real, and it's who can hold on the longest. I saw one by one, one dropping, one dropping, whether it be an LO, whether it be a business owner or something like that, they're dropping because they're just focusing on, but you see them looking down, looking at the wire and they're feeling the pain rather than focusing on what is it that getting attuned and what are you doing and start telling stories. We're helping getting people focus on the future. Like for example, look at the, the home ownership rate percentage amongst millennials. Let's look at that number. That should be the most encouraging demographic data point that should say, and then look at all those guys hanging that are falling into the water right now. Everyone, I mean, I I don't wish ill on any one of them, but what I'm telling is what are you getting your people to focus on? Are you attuning to them, listening to them, grabbing their precious little faces and helping them redirect their thoughts, redirect that activity that's going on between their ears. And as you do that, you're setting them up and your company for a phenomenal 2024. Dave, have you followed the uh, account on Instagram mortgage memes? No, I, well, yeah, I have, I do. I haven't seen it lately. Is there one? I, no, I, they haven't used that, but I, I'm like kind of thinking, are you the, are you the secret guy behind mortgage memes? Cause it like, the, the, the bridge image is just, um, I can just see someone labeling each of those people with a, a lender's name. <laughs> it, is, it is quite, it is quite the, the deal here. And I'm, I just closed out those, but it's, it, it's, uh, you know, hanging on. And if you do that, run a, a search on a YouTube video, you'll see all these. I'll, I'll give you the link so you do it. I want to do a meme on that because it's really what's going on. You see the guys one by one falling off going, that's sadly what's going on. They're trying to hang on. And their focus is looking at the water, looking at their arms and feeling the pain. Get off the pain. Yes, there's pain. We're not ignoring the facts. There's pain. But if you start focusing on the right things, the right goals, 
with the right motives and take the right actions and activities, you'll get your eyes on the right thing and the pain becomes manageable and you will not only just hang on, but you'll start crawling around and getting up and out of those circumstances. You can make a difference. The show notes are going to be good for this episode. Mr. Dave Lickin, thank you so much for your time. Really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you so much. Looking forward to getting you on my podcast. Let's see if you can do as well. And time to let me interview you, my friend. Appreciate you so much. Thank you for all that you do through Housing Wire and now Real Trends. Uh, thank you, friend, for what you're doing here on this podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Housing News Podcast. Please take a few seconds to rate Housing News on Apple Podcasts. It means a lot for the show, and we really do appreciate and listen to your feedback. Also, we're gearing up for Housing Wire Annual in October. Please visit housingwire.com forward slash events for full details about our big annual event in Austin, Texas.